1: Well, and welcome to the BBC
2: Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello, my name is Orlando Marin and I'm hosting the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. And today we're talking about a very unusual subject, the world's most hated foods.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'd like to start Mr Kerridge by asking you what is the worst thing anyone ever made you eat
1: well I mean I've eaten loads of stuff that's quite ropey I've got to be honest but there was is uh, I've had once now I can't remember the complete name of it that um but it's uh fermented uh, kind of like rotten gone off fish it comes in a tin it's swedish i think and you're supposed to open the tin in a bucket of water right because it's so bad and the t- the tin is buckled and bent because it's so like rancid and off and it's supposed to go on it's like a dry cracker And just a very small bit of it. And then you put the cream cheese in and and whatever other toppings you're going to put on it. But I've just had a bit. And the smell of it was so, (laughs) so bad. It was when I, I was doing it for the BBC food and drink program. And it was honestly, it was one of the, on its own, it was singly one of the worst things I've ever, ever had. That's a straight out like bad thing.
2: I think we're going to upset Icelandic listeners because I think that's what they Icelandic uh, people have at Christmas. They have this fish that's been buried in the ice for as long as possible, and then it's kind of fished out. Is, is no, that's that different? slightly
1: different. That's fermented shark. Yeah, they. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. No, I've had that. That was not as bad as this. I tell you what. Whilst whilst we're talking about it, I'm going to Google it, mate. Wh- whilst <laughs> we, are go- going to Google the complete, the correct. Because name we need for to it. make
2: sure people avoid this, don't we? I, with with not to well
1: either avoid or 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 you know you might try it. You may well love it. Who who acts Who knows? Do you know what I mean? You just don't know whether you're going to like it or not. It, it was just straight. I mean, it was straight bad. I got to be honest. It was straight. Well,
2: bad. maybe it's something that you need to have been brought up accepting the taste of so again without wishing to do the Swedes down maybe some Swedish people could contact us and tell us about the joys and what we've been doing wrong not enjoying this because uh, to be honest we all eat some pretty odd foods from childhood I mean Christmas pudding is a weird thing to eat isn't it Um, and other nations of the world don't understand Christmas pudding so maybe this fermented fish is in that category Tom
1: Okay, so surströmming, pronounced, uh, it's a sour herring and it's a lightly salted fermented Baltic Sea herring, traditional to Swedish cuisine. Uh, There we go. And it, it, it literally has just enough salt uh, is used to prevent the raw herring from rotting whilst allowing it to ferment. And you get it in a tin, I mean, and it's pop <laughs> punchy, I've got to be honest.
2: <laughs> How tolerant are you of picky eaters generally?
1: I haven't got to bother with it. I like, I get it. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of people who take food choices. and There's a lot of people that don't like stuff. What I find frustrating from a chef's point of view is with people that won't have a go at stuff. I mean, what's the worst thing can happen? You're not going to like it. Or you've got this preconceived idea that you're not going to like it. But actually, that's quite good because sometimes you, you'll you go, oh, I'm not sure about this. Try it. And how good
2: is it to be pleasantly surprised? If, as long as people actually try it. That's the thing. You've got to be open to the idea of liking it. Yeah, exactly. We we asked the BBC Good Food Together group um, what foods they disliked and it pretty much melted down the internet with everyone. Uh, we had hundreds and hundreds of people telling us what they didn't like and the vehemence with which they dislike things is really something. I mean, it's not just they don't care for it, they really dislike it. And... Um, in a in a sense, they don't seem to mind. I think it's okay. You're allowed not to like something. We don't all want to be the same, do we? No, of course not.
1: There's loads. Of, you know, there's nothing wrong with disliking types of food.
2: Were you brought up to be an adventurous eater?
1: Um, I mean, my mum always said, "Just try it. You never know." I mean, we weren't really. I mean, it was a single parent. Um, childhood we grew up I mean it, the, the most you know it was spaghetti bolognese roast chicken maybe if you were lucky on a Sunday or um, you know crispy pancakes and potato waffles so it wasn't really one of those spaces where I grew up having lots of different types of food but you know I was never scared of having a go at something trying something you know food, food's great you know so I was always never been Worried about having a go at stuff, but it wasn't we weren't in a i, I didn 't grow up in a in a house where we would try in lots of different foods just to see and a lot of that comes down to economic situation i'm sure because if you're a single parent and you 've got two kids and you 've got very little in the way of, of money and finance you know and you 're trying to budget for things, why would you experiment and you would worry about risking some of your hard earned weekly money that you're really trying to make stretch? On some ingredients and some food that kids are not going to like, because then it's essentially seen as a waste of money. So I completely understand it. You know, I get it then in those days as I grew up, and I still get, I completely understand it now. Why, why would you, if you're having to make, you know, every penny count, um, gamble, so to speak, on trying something creative and new that kids might not like?
2: and have to throw it away yeah. what about your own son are you encouraging ac to be adventurous
1: i am but it's it's the same as every i'm sure every parent says the same thing wouldn't it be great I, you know and if they just tried everything and they had a go at eating something you know you go through phases and they're liking something one day and then hating it the next and you know it would be you know but he's very good with fruit he, he likes um uh, he, he's a big fan of fish um meats he'll like he's pretty good at vegetables he's not so strong at yet we're still trying to get it in there he likes the ones that are slightly sweeter like peas and sweet corn he's good with broccoli but you know yeah cauliflower he doesn't like cauliflower i mean you'd like broccoli but not like cauliflower i mean there's i mean what's wrong with you they say it's just a thing in their heads isn't they as kids they're just kind of like i you know, i'm sure it'll be fine in the end well, I'm sure. i think
2: when you're a kid you taste things more um they taste much more strong to you because you've never tasted them before so so really feisty flavors like um you know strong cheeses and things like that are a bit probably a bit of a shock to a young palate because it's not J- yeah. jaded as my palate and i'm sure your palate isn't jaded but mine has had a few few years on it
1: no you're right things that are big and punchy and flavors and that you know people don't some people don't like things that are almost offensive you know strong big punchy flavors people they push people back yeah
2: and uh, there's also evidence that you have to eat something 15 times before you actually get used to it enough to to enjoy it so th- is yeah. Right? I mean, I had heard six, 15 sounds a lot, doesn't it? That takes a lot of perseverance. So I can quite understand a, a mum or dad not wanting to try a chart 15 times with blue cheese on the off chance that he's going to like it at the other end. Because I have to say blue cheese yeah, is, is a, a, a fairly disliked thing. Some of the things that came up were, well some of them were funny that, that people don't like and they could pinpoint exactly what it was that had put them off. And then, with other things um well they're just a bit a bit harder to understand but if you had a bad childhood experience with beetroot or salad cream or something like that i can completely understand that you don't really ever want to meet it again in your life do you
1: no I, and you know there's a few things so my wife she's really good at eating you know she she's not fussy at all but there's a couple of things that she won't eat and a lot of that's actually not f- flavor is texture so she's not massive on things like melon and cucumber you know that kind of like semi-crunchy watery uh, uh, um, stuff like she so it's gone then from beyond it being flavor it's gone from association of texture
2: texture seems to be something that really turns people off um i think the, the most disliked of the texture problems is okra um someone called it green sluggy slime and someone said that would be a challenge too far even for the legend tom to make edible
1: no i see i love it i absolutely love it yeah it's like, yeah bindi bhaji i'll always order that from uh, from the you know, from the uh from the indian takeaway it's always part of a. Uh, it's always part of the order i love it and you, you could the trick for me is cooking it quickly and with loads of spice and loads of flavor and without it letting it get slimy it's gummy isn't it but
2: of course if you decided you dislike it you're not really going to like it much even when it's beautifully cooked um a lot of people mentioned tripe um now how are you on tripe tom
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe
2: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active mint customers by five thirty one twenty-four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
1: Right, so I don't cook it. And I would understand why people don't like it. However, tripe is the only thing that I've eaten in a restaurant that I found so good that I had to go back the next day and take Beth to have some as well because it's not the sort of thing that you, you don't normally cook it at home. And why would you ever order it in a restaurant? And I went to, I don't know if you remember the great Arbitus restaurant where Anthony Dimitri, head chef and owner, is now at Wild Honey in St. James. But Anthony is one of the greatest, one of the best British chefs who'll ever come across. His food knowledge is exceptional. His, 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 his um, skill set is just world-class. And he does this beautiful tripe dish where it's kind of like braised and then it's crispy fried and it's just delicious uh, uh, and I was there for dinner with a couple of chef friends um, and he sent um, a bowl of the tripe up because we never order it and he just went here you go I'll send you some of this up and I was like oh thanks very much you know we're at a smile and Oh my god! It blew me away. It was delicious, meaty texture was great, crunch, flavor, and it just wasn't as bad as everybody thinks. It was actually one of those moments that was just like, "This is incredible!" And it was so good. I went back. I had to go back the next day and take Beth with me and go, "Look, we've got to try this." So yeah, it was brilliant. So tripe cooked by Anthony <laughs> Dimitri, amazing. <laughs> by anybody else, now
2: nah, I'm with him. The, the, there's a kind of um. Uh, th- Slimy things again tend to to uh, upset people. A lot of people don't like smoked salmon because they don't like the texture. Um, none other than the group editor in chief of BBC Good Food dislikes rice pudding because of the uh, slightly creepy texture of it. Avocado, um peas as well. A lot of people don't like peas, but
1: who doesn't like peas that's the most ridiculous <laughs> that, that is the most ridiculous sweet green crunchy te- like why would you not like peas textually they're amazing like who doesn't like peas they're but ben- whoever voted for that you're no there honestly. were lots of them
2: i think it's the feeling in people's mouths of them kind of rolling around i i imagine what it is i i have a i have a great friend who's Despises bananas. She can't, if you were, say the word banana, the color, the color drains from her face. So one time, just as a, a tease, I did this thing of making a um, potato salad. Have you ever done this? Put, put banana in a potato salad because you can't you can't taste it's there it 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 behaves exactly like potato in potato salad
1: i'm sorry what are you talking about hey? This is the, where, where is this podcast going that is the most ridiculous thing you've ever I, heard I can hear
2: you saying why would you want to do that i don't know why you'd want to do it but i wanted to do it to trip up my friend vanessa who ha- hasn't cannot be in the same room as a banana and she did eat it she did thought it wasn't quite right but she didn't actually pass out so that would be the only time that she's ever eaten banana so there's a tip if you've got banana hay to pop some into the potato salad and and see how how it goes
1: i get bananas right because i'm not a massive banana fan flavor right i love the banana flavor i think it's great it's delicious but that's a textual one for me because it's fruit but why is it's, it's squishy it's weird like is it, there's nothing else that has texture like it in a fruit world in the fruit world you think of crisp and crunch like an apple or a pear or um refreshing like watermelon or soft and uh, and sweet like berries banana it's not overly sweet it's just a bit mushy and mashy and the flavor is pretty unique so the flavor i think is great but texturally it's a weird one
2: you know it tastes better if you eat it from the bottom if you if you you know you break the top off and then you eat it normally eat it from the top. but if you eat it, if you take it all out and eat it from the, in the other direction, it tastes better.
1: On it, on it, I I I I I think this banana <laughs> conversation's getting really goofy, my friend. You're mixing it with potatoes and eating it from the bottom.
2: I, honestly now, I wanted to ask <laughs> yeah. you mint choc chip ice cream. Where are you on on mint choc chip ice cream, which people say tastes of like toothpaste?
1: It depends who's made it. I, I get that. I understand it because I think what happens there is it. It that's a synthetically kind of flavored ice cream. It's not made with fresh mint unless you're you know you're working you're eating it from a like a top restaurant, a nice hotel, and those sort of spaces. And that synthetic flavor, I'm sure it's the same flavoring that will then go into toothpaste. So I can get why people associate put the two things together. One's a bit fluoridey. Yeah, I can see. It. I, I I kind of understand. that that but although I don't I don't mind it I'm quite i don't mind toothpaste
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a lot of objection to floral smells and tastes like rose water uh, people dislike and um turkish delight and lavender someone hates lavender in any in near anywhere near food do you do you use those in the restaurant i
1: do now i love them however they, they do come with a caveat and a bit of a word of warning because they are very punchy they're very strong so things like if you're using rose water or uh, rose essence or you're using that in flavoring things like Turkish delight or whatever it is the dessert or whipped cream or whatever it is you're putting it through it's very 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 powerful so it is literally drops rather than spoonfuls because if it then becomes a little bit too much it really it's all it's all it's it's almost really quite offensive in the mouth where something that should be light and floral whether it's like rose or lavender it should feel um it shouldn't if you don't want it to feel like you've drunk like half a pint of perfume and that's what they can get like if the flavours are over you so I imagine the people that are disliking it have probably had it because it's been used in such a big strong punchy way that it, it does become very very offensive I do like both those flavours lavender works really really well with honey and rose water rose geranium those sort of flavours they're beautiful with things like with soft fruits like raspberries and strawberries they, they go really really well together
2: Have you ever tried um, Violet Essence Violet x Do you use that?
1: Yeah, we used to have a dessert on with mangoes and strawberries. It was kind of like pressed like a terrine, and we would use Parma Violet ice cream with those kind of – so it's very much like those sweets, you know, the little round um, uh, sugary sweets. And I do like it. But again, it comes with that word of warning. It's very, very, very strong. You don't don't want it to feel like you've eaten a whole mouthful of potpourri. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
2: Um, Some of the other smells that people object to um, are – Saffron. There's quite a lot of people out there who don't like saffron. And I believe that that may taste different. Some people may have different receptors in their palate, which causes them to taste saffron as very metallic. I don't think of it as metallic. Are you a keen user of saffron?
1: I do like saffron, but it's got to be used in the right way. It's very good with things that slow cook lamb. It works very nicely with that. And it works quite well with fish, you know, that kind of salt cod Spanish style cookery It works nicely with chorizo. It works with, alongside strong flavors, but, uh, you know, things that are spiced, things that have got punch to them, things that are uh, uh, um, uh, slow braises, everything that kind of carry it. But it does... Uh, again, it is it is quite metallic in its flavour. And it, people a pinch of saffron gives a lovely colour, but you want subtlety. You're always looking for subtlety with big flavours like that. If if it gets used too much, people can get offended from it really quite quickly, quite easily. And I wouldn't blame them for not going back because they assume that that's what it tastes like. What it just needs to do is dialing down, putting less in. You
2: hardly want to know it's there, just to a, a kind of atmosphere of saffron. Exactly. Some people said when they... See it in the recipe what could they use instead
1: see the thing is about all those flavors i don't think there's an alternative they're very distinct they're very on their own they're very they're very you know uh, uh, they're very you using them because that's what they bring to the the, the the table to the dish so to speak you know lavender is very much lavender you, you know the rose water the saffron you could use an alternative to saffron if you just want color but actually for the flavor there isn't anything that is similar You know, you just go... You'd have to... I would say you just go without. There there isn't something that's a bit like... They're just quite full-on, aren't they?
2: For colour, would you use turmeric or or paprika?
1: Yeah, both of those would work. But again... that go careful on it because turmeric as well is another one of those things that you can get nice color on it but if you get too far in it, it that is the it's quite acrid. It's it's not a very pleasant flavor all on its own turmeric
2: um now a really divisive fragrance is truffle oil and some people absolutely loathe truffle oil and don't want to even be in a restaurant where it's being used i remember when truffle oil first came in it was it was a bit of a shock and it seemed to be Uh, In abundance on everything, but uh, do you use truffle oil in the restaurant?
1: No, not really. But we used to. I mean, we use truffles. Now the thing about truffle oil is it becomes it becomes quite um quite gassy. It's quite pungenty. Do you know what I mean? It does feel like you're in in the middle of a gas leak if you use too much. (laughs) But it's it's an enhancer as a little drops. I'm a big fan of it. Again, if you just use truffle oil on everything, you could taste it. And I know, you know, during the late 90s, it was like everywhere. But now, if you use little percentages, all of these things that we're talking about here, it's quite funny because they're the things that people are saying that they really dislike. But they're all the things that are very, very strong in flavor. And I think they're just coming across them not being used uh, sparingly. They're being used as a, like the full force of nature that they come with. I think if they could revisit them, just with used as a part of a foundation of flavors they'd enjoy it a lot more
2: it would be very nice to think that a consequence of our podcast day is that people if they want to approach things that foods that they don't like and give them another go perhaps you know in a very gentle form or used very very sparingly where they can control it because it would be you know, it's nice to have a f- the full range of foods available so that when you look at a menu, you don't run a mile from half of the things on it because you don't like the things that are mentioned.
1: Uh, yeah, of course. And then also, you know, put yourself in the hands, trust the chef. You know, if you're going out to a restaurant and there's there's stuff on there that you think, well, I'm not quite sure about that, let somebody else have another go at it. Trust trust, trust the professionals to have a go at it. And then if it's you that's cooking it at home, you, Bring the amount, the volumes down. Don't be scared of it. Just, you know, drop little bit by little bit in.
2: I was very interested by Carol Masterson, who wrote to the Facebook group about her experiences of onions because she disliked onions intensely, which is a terrible nuisance because they're in so many things. And she said, I've trained myself to like onions. So I wrote back, well, how did you do that? And this is what she said. I started out having onions cut very small in meals and over time increased the size and made myself eat a little more raw onion. Just kept making myself do it, basically. I do still occasionally have times where the onion gets too much, like in salads, where I'll remove some of it. It's taken years. But isn't that great?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it is good in terms of teaching yourself it she's just like eating raw onion <laughs> is that I, I, I mean i get onions like a fundamental base of most cookery in terms of sauces and dishes and um uh, uh, and uh, bolognases and casseroles and things or is she talking about like eating a raw onion like an apple
2: she was talking about disliking onions generally which a lot of people do you'd be surprised how many people can't go near anything with onion in it and they say oh it's hell to eat in restaurants because everything has onion in it of course it does so she seems to have gone a bit serious by making herself eat chunks of onion but it worked and now she now she's fine which is lovely story i think thank you carol (laughs) um One thing that that comes up very often is a hatred of coriander, the the fresh coriander. And people feel that they're missing out because they don't like coriander. I think some people taste it slightly differently from other people. It's very soapy. And they say, what can I use instead? So have you got any suggestions for, for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm see, now I'm a coriander fan. I absolutely love it. But you're right, there's loads of people that don't like coriander. And I think it is because your taste receptors, some people's are slightly uh, are different. It, it, it is quite soapy for a lot of people. But actually, I, I'm a huge fan of it. And it works really well with mint. And it's quite often eaten in Indian or Asian cookery. So, uh, I mean, I would say if you're looking in that Asian kind of style in you know thailand japan that sort of stuff where you look at you know lemongrass those sort of flavors just don't put it in there that's absolutely fine but then if you're looking for a freshness of a soft herb flat leaf parsley is always very very good it it has a similar sort of texturally. it's very very similar maybe just a little harder But in terms of the way that it works with the flavors that it it normally works, it won't fight against it. It's not like if you used sage, you know, it is actually a flavor that would work really well. Parsley and mint goes very, very nicely. And it doesn't matter so much where it it comes in. So I would say swap it out, um, swap it out with parsley, flat leaf parsley.
2: Now, I want to go to the other end of the spectrum now. We're going into spring, and I want now to just talk to you briefly about your idea of food heaven as we go into spring, and whether there's any particular dish that you're looking forward to making with some of the lovely new produce that's coming out
1: no spring's so great for that because there's lots of it's those green shoots that start coming through of those lovely kind of we know we're getting out of the root vegetable stage and we get into things that are growing you know outdoors (laughs) off trees you know it's lovely it's really nice but for me spring is always summed up by asparagus british asparagus is absolutely outstanding and and it really has that and it's such a versatile and wonderful ingredient and it's you know the way you can cook it you try grill it you can just you you can blanch it and boil it you can roast it in a tray and whack it in the oven you could drizzle it with olive oil if you want you can peel great big thick stalks of it so you could slice it and have it raw in salads um, that will also go very nicely with some uh flat leaf parsley you know and the dressings you could put with it it goes really nicely with like a fried egg or a poached egg um it goes beautiful chopped up into an omelette so for me i'm a huge fan of asparagus and it really is the sign of british produce springtime coming really into life it's the start of that amazing season
2: and do you make it into things as well do you make like savoury tarts with it as well because all those things uh, you're you're just really suggesting that we eat the asparagus in its purest form
1: well, that, to me, that's where, where a vegetable like that, like you haven't got to do a lot with it. Yes, you can put it into quiches and tarts and do whatever else with it. However, it, you know, it's one of those simple, beautiful ingredients that it, it, it has a flavor, you know, all of its own. You know, it's asparagus and it tastes great. And it is one of those ingredients you just got to let do its magic all by being, you know, it's the growing purpose of the asparagus. All the work's done, you know, that you just got to look at just that final little bit
2: and the other really early thing that we get is broad beans are you a broad bean fan
1: yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of broad beans now in posh restaurants you you take them out of the pod and then you and then you squeeze them out of the little kind of like outer paler coat co- covering as well but however see i'm a big fan of you know i'm i'm happy eat them at home i happy happy have broad beans in the in that outer casing as well i, I think it's great beautiful flavors quite and um, not as sweet as peas they're quite robust quite earthy but they absolutely delicious yeah broad beans peas asparagus morel mushrooms all of this it's springs here
2: hooray we really want to wrap all these wonderful early flavors up in some marvelous risotto or something don't we
1: yeah something like that works really well
2: capture them all at once it's
1: exactly a risotto would work perfectly for that
2: and it, say one did make a kind of springtime risotto of, of all the, the early things that you can get hold of, depending on what you can find at your local farm shop or something. Are there any flavours that would go with that to um, to bring them all together or, or just let them, let them, the flavours talk for themselves?
1: You no, know, dairy works really well to combine it, you know, whether it's a soft, creamy cheese or whether it's something a bit punchy and salty like Parmesan or something, you know, a, a, a dairy or, or even just a very soft curd or a yoghurt or something that kind of binds it together there's something lovely about the way that dairy works with spring flavours the definitely the sort of thing that marries it all puts it as a complete dish
2: Wonderful. Well, I'm glad that we ended on an up note and not on um, f- fermented herrings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but th- thank you very much. And um, I think that people uh, would love coming along to your restaurant and trying something that they thought they didn't like, because I bet they would like it if they ate it um, around at your place
1: yeah let's hope so let's hope we can be a bit sparing with the rose water and the saffron
2: (laughs) so thank you very much everyone and thank you bbc good food together for writing in with your foods that you hate and um see you next time happy experimenting in the meantime and good luck carol with the onions thanks for listening
1: to the bbc good food podcast with me tom Kerridge. For more brilliant cooking advice, don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode. Let's cook together. See you next time.